Hallelujah. first met the speaker of the hour in November of 1987. I walked into the hospital room and his bassinet was on the far side of the room. I was excited because I wanted a sibling. I was determined to get one and my sibling was here. Um, and so as I walked into the room, someone was changing his diaper. I don't really remember who, um, and babies are new. And when they get exposed to the cold, sometimes things happen. And he wasn't really finished with his business. <laughs> so my introduction to him was a duck and a dodge. <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is not what I prayed for. <laughs> this is not what I wanted. Um, and I wish I could say that it got easier as time went on, but it didn't. Um, we had lots of nicknames for the speaker of the hour. He was Scooter, Little Joe, Joe Baby. He was active, he was busy. And because he was busy, it made my life just a little bit more difficult. Um, one of his favorite things to do when we went, when we went into a store um, would be to run and hide under the clothing. Mm. And my grandmother decided, it's your job to go get what you asked for. So I was exhausted. I spent a lot of time running after this wild child. And my grandma came up with an ingenious idea. She got him a leash. <laughs> I was thrilled. This was the answer to a prayer. And he saw that leash. He said, I'm not a dog. And my grandma said, well, stop acting like an animal. <laughs> so he would be on a leash in the store. We would walk around. My life was easier. Um, but then I took that concept of the leash and I tried to keep him on a leash throughout his life because I wanted him to be who I wanted him to be. I pray for you. You need to be what I say you need to be. And I will say within the last three years, God corrected me and he told me, Sarita, he's not gonna be who you want him to be. He's going to be who I created him to be. And in the last three years, I can honestly say that I have seen God transform him. God is working on him and making him new. And I'm thankful that he's not the man that I want him to be. He's not the husband I want him to be or the son or the brother or the friend or the cousin. He's the man that God wants him to be. And I'm extremely grateful for that. So um, I'm going to say a prayer, and then I will let you hear the speaker of the hour. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you for today. Way back in time when I wanted a sibling, God, you knew that this day would come. And so I'm thankful, Lord, that you have been faithful through every season of our lives, every up, every down, every good, every bad. God, I pray that you continue to mold him into the husband, the son, the brother, the father eventually, 
and man that you created him to be, Lord. Give him strength where he is weak. Help him know that he is yours, that this is his season, God, that there is room for him in the pulpit, that he has a voice that needs to be heard and used for this generation. Thank you for your love, your grace, your peace, and your power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Joe, baby, preach the word. Well, she started off all right, uh, and then uh, tried to take us both down through there. Um, I am blessed beyond measure to have my sister be. <laughs> Ooh, excuse me. Mm. I um, have thought on this sermon for uh, quite a moment. Um, didn't know what uh, God wanted for me. I tried a lot of things, and I got pretty far sometimes. I uh, I've um I've been through a lot, and uh, it doesn't often show because uh, as we often talk in our family, that's not something we do. You talk, you pray, and you move. Um, for the longest time. Uh, the way me and my sister are speak because we are so verbose, they didn't believe we lived where we did. <laughs> it was confusing to them that somehow our environment and the things around us didn't affect us. Um, but let me do some traditional things first. Uh, I want to thank God who is the head of my life I thank my wife, and I secondarily have to thank my sister again, um, because they were the first people I told, um, because they hold my secrets, <laughs> and they um, are the keys to my growth. I am um, not here in the slightest if not for those two. Um, one, because she did pull me and push me. And in the other, because it was, it was in my wife that I first met God, truly. Um, he showed his face to me in, in such a way that I couldn't even comprehended he was there. And then he took, well, she was my high school sweetheart at the time, but he, then he took her away from me <laughs> to say, 
those things you saw were real, and I showed them to show you me. And I said, well, I, w I want her, though. I, I, I want her. <laughs> and <laughs> I, um, I spent years upset, angry at so many things that were going on in my life. And there were so many different ways that he um, began to show me that his word does not come back to him void. Um, also in the audience is a part of that truth. Um, and I promise I do have a sermon. I just have to <laughs> do this first. Um, what he did was I had a favorite cousin. And all of my cousins are here. <laughs> but my favorite out of the bunch was my cousin Jeanette. We were inseparable. And uh, uh, there was one day we were in St. Louis, and like I said, telling all these emotional stories, so I apologize. But uh, we were at my grandmother's house. We were playing. It was a great day. Now, it was time for her to go. And, uh, and I remember saying, no. <laughs> Don't let her go. Because... <laughs> If she leaves, I won't see her again. And everything in my spirit said that was true at that time. Just um, due to family things, she was gone from me. Years. I didn't know if she was alive. I didn't know if she was doing well. And, uh, it was a year after me and my high school sweetheart broke up that my mother got her call and uh, we were going to get to see her. And uh, it wasn't until about a year ago that I'd realized that that was God at that point telling me that the things you feel you have lost, I will bring back to you. Mm. Now, at that time, I didn't think that that was going to be my wife. <laughs> I said, God, you took her away. She's going to find somebody better. She's going to be married and, and happy, and I'm just going to be sitting over here alone. Because that was the one, Lord, you, you guided me in ways that I had never been guided. And uh, that's how we get to today. Um, so thank you to all of my family and my friends who are in attendance today. I appreciate you more than you know. Um, my words will not be enough to tell you how much impact each and every one of you has had on my life. Um, and now to uh, the, the word that I have for you today. Um, so when I began to think about our men's day theme, I uh, pondered over a lot. It was from last year when I um, first became a, a co-chair that I started thinking about what it is I actually wanted Men's Day to be about. Um, most often I see Men's Days and they're normally catered to the men that are in the church. It's a celebration of those that are there. And what I started to think and, and what I started to seek was, well, what, is, what are we doing with the greatness that I receive from those men to give to others, to other young men, to those who 
may not have had a father in their life, may not have had the right influences. How are we connecting to them? I want our service to be about them. I want them to come and be uplifted by what you have to say for them, God. I want them to come in and feel like this is a celebration for me. Yes, it is a celebration for you even when you don't know your purpose is, is what I wanted. Um, and so I started to ponder on themes. And I remember I searched for um, the verses as best I could. I, I, and it was within a second of me Googling what I needed that he gave me. Um, Proverbs uh, 27, verses 17 through 19. Um, Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And uh, he who tends the fig tree will eat his fruit, and he who cares for his master will be honored. Um, <laughs> in water, face reflects. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. And when he gave... but. All he gave me was the, you know, uh, the iron sharpening iron. It wasn't until recently that my pastor assisted me and helped me find the rest that was like, oh, I should have read two more. <laughs> but um, what that means and, and or what I'm bringing today that God gave me to give you is what do your groups mean to you? There's a bat flying around, but it's all right. Um, how do your groups sharpen you? Back in the 90s, early 2000s, as seen on TV was huge. It was everywhere. Um, and one of the commercials that I remember vividly, that I will never forget, or it was amongst the millions of commercials, is about these knife sharpeners. Like, you need this in your home. It sharpens your knife, your dull knife, your dull kitchen knives. And even, I can do this. There was even a moment where they would take a credit card, they'd sharpen it, and then somehow they could cut a tomato. It was revolutionary in this way of your home. And you know, we all have knives from very, very long that your grandmother finds a way to use, and even this little lady on the front row, my grandmother, you know, would find a dull knife and still peel a potato while cutting herself and still going on like, well, you know, it still works. But as Christians, as, as God developed this message in me to not just be for the men, but to be for us as Christians, we are here to sharpen one another. We are here to build one another. So what does sharpening mean? For a lot of people, sharpening is those commercials. It is all those things that we see and, and that, that holds true to us. We have no other understanding because that's what they say that sharpening is. In your group, 
do you pray for one another? Do you gossip with one another? Are you jealous of one another? Are the things that you do so you can get to what God has for you or to what you have for you? So often we do not take much stock in how our groups affect us. We just say, well, I'm different. I'm the this person in the group. I'm the sassy one. I'm the godly one. And we continue in this way as if nothing our groups do affect us. What are you bringing into your life? What, what do you want for these people that are around you? Are these people so different from you, you don't feel they can be saved? Well, then something in you should feel like that can't help you either. Because if you feel that they can't be saved and yet you hang around, somewhere eventually you'll feel that about yourself. Sharpening, by definition, and or by all definitions, to make sharp, to cut. Um, Proverbs 18.21, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will, hear its, will, bleh, will eat its fruit. You are a weapon, a strong spiritual weapon. And what you do can cut, <laughs> hurt, build, heal. So what are you sharpening yourself towards? If in your group, your male group, you know, you had some older gentleman tell you, don't worry about relationships right now, young man. Go sow your wild oats. You'll find it later. What, then, what have you sold into your life? It says that the marital bed, that that is the highest form of praise. So you just want to go do that with anyone? Does not, give hold, does not God hold a huge gift in heaven for waiting? But that's what we're taught. That's what we're sharpened to. We are sharpened in so many different ways, and you're cutting. You're not cutting through sin. <laughs> to that, you are dull. To that, you have no force. To that, you have no strength. Only because you're choosing not to seek for more. I was on Instagram the other day, and I saw a young man talk about seed. So often the generational thing is that, well, my generation was raised to open doors and do all of these things. And this generation, I don't know what's wrong with them. Now, a farmer would not blame the seeds for not growing. He would first check the soil. He would check his equipment. He checked the seasons. 
So it would only be right to say if the seeds that you have have been planted, it's not the seeds. It is the environment that those seeds were placed in. They're still there. This is another part of that sharpening in those groups. What do you tell to your little, your daughter? What do we tell to our sons? So often there are silence in the face of molestation and so on and so forth. Because we're not connecting the gaps of why I'm telling you no. God is in control. And there is nothing that we can say that can usurp his authority. And yet we can ask him for things and he will reveal them to us. That same thing is true of you with those of the youth. Now, they're asking you a question, and if they are a little testy, they may be trying to usurp your authority. But you're in charge. And the answer you give them is what grows that seed in them that you once had. We're taking away from ourselves by not paying attention to, to the, the important things. Uh, I have a couple uh, illustrations, but I'll start with this one. What sharpening actually does, and I, in the bio, as you can see, I went to culinary school for a little while. Sharpening removes a thin layer of metal from the knife. you're thinking to yourself, well, why would that be a problem? Well, obviously, if you continue to sharpen that knife with the sharpener, at some point, you're going to end up with no knife. <laughs> now, if you take that into your groups, what you allow in the groups that are around you or what you will start to take away from your life, you don't feel it initially. It doesn't hit you in some waking moment. It tears slowly away. If you're in a friend and Every one of your friends is an adulterer or something like that, but you're not, you're home, you're faithful, you ain't going out, you ain't doing whatever, but they're still your friends and you're not trying to require better of them, you don't even realize where you start slipping, where your eyes may wander or what it is you may do. If all of your friends gossip and you're the only one that, not, that does not gossip, you might not start gossiping but you may think about what they gossip about. And it might be you. And you might think about now, well, now you're second guessing yourself. Maybe your whole friend group doesn't go to church. You do. And eventually, you know, like on one New Year's Eve or something like that, you wanna go with them. Birds of a feather flocking together is such a term that you don't even really understand. Those birds are so perfectly aligned in a way that they can switch with one another. What they mean when they tell you that birds are flocking together, they mean that y'all don't know how to fly. One's flying left, one's flying right. Y'all ain't even flying in the same direction. Y'all are just flapping your wings and going nowhere. But that's a difference. 
the, the, the connection of that point. It is a difficult process to be set apart. It is. It's not easy. And it's not easy to do that in a group, which is why we go to church, which is why we have our church family. The group you are with is your church family. It's your church strength. If you continue to strip those parts of your soul away, what will you be left with in the end? Samson still found glory, but at the cost of his life, whereas God had promised him so much more. Promised. His word does not come back void. He chose not to accept that. I'm going to move to my last point in this, but my biggest point, and I have a small illustration, so hold on one second. This is my chef knife. This is a honer. Now, for most people, you've probably only seen honers in steak places. You've seen a guy come out and you had no idea what he was doing. You just knew, oh, this steak is about to be amazing. I don't know what he's doing, but that looks great. <laughs> so here's what we learned in culinary school. This here, what I'm going to do is you go on each side of the knife like this. And you're like, what is that doing, sir? Well, I'll tell you. There are small unseen blades on this knife. And what the honer does is there's a small curve. If you go to the last uh, photo I think I have up there, that one. There's a small curve. And we don't know, and majority of the time as you're cutting, you would think nothing of it. But when you hone it, it straightens it back out. Here's what you need to do. Instead of sharpening yourself, remember to hone and realign yourself with God. Your teeth have not grown dull. Your pursuit of God has. If you are not watching what it is that you're doing, if you are not uh, continuously aligning yourself back to the Father, you can't find strength. You're continuously losing strength by trying to stay loyal to friends who have no loyalty to you. We are continuously every day losing our young men to the streets and other things because they have a loyalty to nothingness. I'm going to give y'all a, a small testimony. At my job, I work at a pawn shop, by the way. <laughs> uh, we had a group of young gentlemen come in, about seven of them, all black. And uh, what we've learned, our general discernment is, if a group of seven come in, I ain't taking it. That ain't y'all's. <laughs> if you say the word, it's both ours. It's neither of yours. And 
they came in and there was an item that they had and they were trying to sell it or whatever it was and uh, some of the guys started leaving out. An older gentleman and what I believe to be his wife walk in and the young gentleman walks out and a fight is about to break out because the older gentleman walks over to him and he swings on that man and now we're about to call the cops because we don't know what's going on. And he said, that's my son. Even then, that's even more shocking, but we're like, oh, what's going on? Now, the whole time, I'm kind of frozen, but I'm watching everything around me. Every one of those people that he came in with left him there by himself. He had broke it into his own home and threw a brick out the window to make it seem like somebody had broke in. He had an ankle monitor on him. So the cops knew where you were before you left. And I was so angry and hurt as he stood there and came up with the excuses that we come up with sometimes. Well, I was just riding. That, that wasn't, you know, all of the things when you're dead to rights. It hurt so much. Because as he sat there, in his mind thinking he's not saying anything, not giving up pleading the fifth as they tell you to do. Pleading the fifth is good when there's not evidence against you. It's good when it can be used. It's good when your tongue is going to cut someone. There was so much that could have been done to prevent that. Aligning yourself to these false sense of loyalty, this man lifestyle that they tell you is real. Seeking um, so much acceptance where there is none. You're aligning yourself towards damnation. You're stripping away your soul. Those seeds are good. They are sharp. We have not lost the traditions and things that we have, have been given through our ancestors. We're growing more true. We're growing more aligned with the word. We are growing more capable of speaking who are you? I was initially, like I said, very angry. And it wasn't until I got up here that I was even able to feel a little better. Because I know that when you leave here, you'll think about where you're aligning yourself. Are you aligning yourself to God? Is your everyday life and everything you do sharpening you or is it weakening you now the last cautionary thing I have to say is from Isaiah 54 and 17 no weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me declares the Lord now the most important part of that as I talk about knives and everything else it says no weapon formed. It does not say no weapon half formed. It says that it formed. 
It does not say that this weapon will not cut you. It does not say that you will not be hurt. It does not say that you will not be tired. It does not say that you will want that you will never in your life want to quit. It says that they will form. So as you are aligning yourself towards God, remember that. Know that he will heal your cuts as you learn to use your knife of righteousness. Know that he will tell you how to use that. He will give you the skill sets. He will place people around you. But you also need to make it plain. You must ask for those things. For those of us who might not have had the greatest relationship with their father, that does not mean that you have to be them. You fight often so many ways to not be something else, to break the generational curses in your family and so on and so forth, but that's not a fight. You won. What you must do is align yourself to God to heal yourself so that it does not affect you. It is the toxic feelings of those curses that get you. It's not the curse. The curse don't have no power. Because you have to accept it. You have to allow it to say that I cannot get further than this. Again, you are stripping that away from you. And that's in the group. It's in your families where you might not want to talk about things. It's in, it's in your friend groups where you don't talk about how you feel. It's, it's in those groups where you're sitting here talking about how you lost your virginity and every last one of you is virgins, but you're showing out for what? It, it, it dulls your spirituality. It dulls your connection to God to chase that which is not fruitful. So as I take my seat, remember that it is about aligning. You are not dull, my Christian faithful. And it's going to feel that way sometimes. But when you pray and realign, God will sharpen you again. He will give you strength. He will tell you and guide you to where you need to be. But you have to seek him. Stop allowing these people to sharpen you in ways that is taking away your soul. You are stronger than that, my people. I thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it. Amen. put them knives up. He had me nervous up here. Sorry, I almost forget. Uh, um, I also brought my uh, first Bible up here with me. I didn't use it, but I just wanted it here with me. Uh, I got this Bible um, uh, uh, shortly after me and my, uh, I call him my baptism brother, Donnell Bell, get baptized. This is my first Bible with uh, my, my name inscribed on it. So, uh, but anyway, that's all I want to say. I forgot that. We want to thank our brother Joe Greg Jr. for that word. And we all know God said that he can use anyone. So let us never be surprised by those that he used in his kingdom. May we stand. The doors of the church are now open.
but we also know God said that his word will not return to him void. So allow his word to seek in. Take it with you to, today and use it throughout the week and allow what he has placed in you to shine in this world that needs it so much. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen again. I had been watching a certain ladies sitting near the front up here and I was hoping that no one had any kind of needle or pen that they might get close to her. Certainly Brother Gray and now I can say Reverend Gray. Somebody in here may remember the first time I referred to him as Reverend Gray. It was not me. It was a slip of the tongue. But clearly <laughs> The hand of God was on that young man. Thank you for what you shared. Thank you for allowing God to use you. Now, for the visitors, uh, excuse me just for a moment, but this is for Mount Pleasant. Uh, we know that we have a tradition here, and it is a tradition. You see, God called Reverend Gray, Joe Gray II, to preach the gospel. None of you nor me was on the selection committee. So he doesn't need our vote to use this young man in the ministry. But as one who's trustworthy, I don't want to ignore the things that the church has established about you got to do your five practice sermons and then you come before the church with your licentiate sermon, and then the church will license to you. As one who's trustworthy, trust me on this. Reverend, Brother Gray, Reverend Gray, I think he knew what God was doing when he had him come and bring all those children's messages. He's already been before the church many more than five times. And not only that, but he was our guest speaker today from the lecture. So what I'm saying, Mount Pleasant, I think we're ready to bring him forth for his licentiate sermon. That's all I needed to hear. Everything's all right. You see, we should not allow our traditions to get in the way of serving God. If you had an outstanding employee that had just uh, interviewed and got the job and was ready to go to work, you would put him to work. 
That's what God wants to do. God wants to use you in a mighty way. I, I want Reverend Will Pittman and Brother Gray to come. Just You see, you look at Mount Pleasant, and we have a lot of senior citizens. But the ministers that God has given us within the last two years shows us that God is looking ahead. He is equipping, he's calling, he is raising up people that will continue to carry his banner on with this congregation and this community. That's what I see. That's what God has shown me. That's why when the hand of God is on you, you allow us to see it. Yeah, I'm going to say, when you allow me to see it, we're going to use you. Thank God that these two young men allowed themselves to be used. Thank you. Traditionally, we have the chairperson for the Men's Day program. I have a word if you care to. It's not on the program, but if you care to have a word, uh, feel free to do so. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming today. I really appreciate all of you. Uh, we have been working as diligently as possible. I've been uh, losing sleep and <laughs> trying to figure out a lot of the things I wanted to do. And I know that God is still going to bless a lot of the things that we're building and, and creating in the foundations that we've set. And you all have helped us do that. Um, your attendance shows that we can, we will continue to grow and continue to be faithful and I think everyone that has done everything uh, anything for Men's Day, the programs look great, the banquet hall looks amazing, everybody wearing purple I appreciate it um, we are royalty, we are, we are God's royalty and I appreciate y'all for that so thank you for coming Not done yet. <laughs> see, see, see what we're getting in with <laughs> okay I want you to us a closing prayer and benediction. Send us forth. Let the church say